Well, as Brandon mentioned, people around here have had uh, rough weeks, and uh, not just this week, but in general, and uh, this week was one of the worst weeks of my entire life, and I actually tried to think about it because that's how I'm wired. Where would I rank this? And uh, it's probably one of the top 10 worst weeks of my entire life, and uh, part of that was that uh, my my wife's grandpa, my grandpa-in-law, passed away on Monday of last week, so just about a week ago. And the other part, I'm, I'm not going to tell you, um, and uh, maybe someday I will, and, and it will come up in a sermon, and, and I'll feel comfortable sharing. The other thing that we went through this week, um, but for us, it was a tragic week. It was, it was, it was devastating, and as the week went along, kind of two forces were, were moving me away from talking about, about sacrifice, which was uh, the sermon we had planned, the series that we're in the middle of. And the first is, I was quickly running out of time to prepare a sermon because of the events of, of our week. It was just like Thursday afternoon and Bryn looks at me and is like, when are you going to work on a sermon? I hadn't even started, which is really abnormal for me. I'm not like a Saturday night special. I think I've heard that joke before. That's, that's not in my norm. And I said, I'll probably get to it eventually. Um, and while that was going on, just running out of time, plain and simply, just like this isn't going to get done. I'm not going to be able to put any study into this. Uh, it's a topic that I'm really passionate about, by the way, um, music and, and the sacrifice of music. But I just was running out of time. And, and at the same time, it was going to feel really disingenuous and weird and fake to get up and, and talk about anything other than, than dealing, with, uh, dealing with hurt. Uh, and so those two forces were kind of coming together. And thankfully, uh, as the week progressed, God was building a sermon in me. For me, probably, but you're going to hear it anyway. Um, and, uh, and I was able to, as Bryn and I were, were driving together on Thursday, and she asked me that question, when are you going to prepare for a sermon? I, I was like, I think I have one. Uh, and, and without ever sitting down at a computer, I just started preaching to Bryn, whether she liked it or not, uh, a little quieter than I do when I'm here. And, and, and so today... Uh, I want to tell you the, the two and a half things that, that God kind of uh, spoke into my life this week uh, as I had some of the low, the low moments of my life. Um, and, and I think it's important because we do all, we face tragedy, right? And, and I don't think that there's going to be anybody in the audience that's like, I've, I've never dealt with anything hard, right? Like nobody here this morning is is not going to connect in some way. And so I know uh, for at least one person that I had a phone conversation with this week that, uh, that you are dealing with something terrible and some terrible things. But, but some of you, maybe you just need to put this away and save it for uh, when the weather gets bad and things are sad, you know, and, and when something bad happens to you, when you have one of the worst 10 uh, weeks of your life. But, but for others, maybe you're in the midst of it. Maybe God gave me this sermon for you too. Um, but we're going we're gonna to just see today that uh, some things, I think, and, and, and they're different than what God would normally have spoken to me in tragedy or, or normally what I would have said to you in the midst of tragedy. And, and the first point um, comes from a friend of mine. I, I was in 
one of the darkest moments that I've ever been in. And I was walking and I was trying to pray, and maybe you know this feeling, and uh, like you're trying to pray, but you, I, I'm, I, if you know this, if you've been around for any length of time at this church at all, but I stress about everything. Like my wife, if she gets an upset stomach because she's stressed, she's like, this is abnormal. And I was like, that's how I live, like right there. And, uh, and so magnify that by a lot. And I'm trying to pray, but it's going from like, dear Jesus to, oh, what is happening right now? To dear Jesus to like, oh, what's happening? And, and I, I'm just like clothed in, in stress and struggle and just everything, just, just feeling terrible. And in the midst of that, a poor friend of mine sent me a text message and said, hey, how's it going? <laughs> and you know, you probably, uh, this person is, is a good friend, and, but they probably didn't really care, you know? It's probably just like just a way to send me a text to see what was happening, uh, if I could help him out, whatever, you know? And and I said, uh, I, let me see if I can give you the exact quote. I pulled it up. I'm terrible for reasons I can't explain. How are you? You know, like, oh, good. Now I've ruined your day too. And, and this person probably just, I don't know, I haven't talked to them in person since this, but just probably looking for something to soften that kind of moment, that weird text moment that I created for them. Uh, they said something to me that I think was meant to be funny, uh, also meant to be true in some ways, but just kind of meant to be a quick, you know, let's get out of this conversation. I'll say something funny and, and we can move on. I can ask for the favor that I was looking to ask or whatever. And, and they said what I think honestly was, was God ordained. And you're not going to believe it because it it really doesn't seem that profound when you first say it. But I sent this text and and he responded with, blame the snake. The snake being Satan, of course. And it hit me like just a ton of bricks because as as I'm trying to talk to God, I'm looking at God. I'm not angry at God. Uh, that's not how I'm wired, you know, like even in my darkest moments, my theology doesn't dictate me saying, how dare you, God, how dare you, God. But there was some of that like, why didn't you? Where were you? How come? And my attention, even the negative attention was, was solely in that moment on what I was dealing with and and God, God, what's up? Do you love me? Are you here? Do you care? Like, did you forget? You know, I've asked you for some very specific things and you've quite clearly said no, think you're wrong. I don't even know if I got that far, but it was that kind of attitude. And so when this friend comes in with blame the snake, all of a sudden it was like, why am I giving Satan such a pass in all of this? I don't know if you're like me, but I think you probably are. In your hardest, darkest moments, a lot of times our attention goes immediately to God because we believe God to be loving and powerful and good, right? And so we immediately look to God and we say like, how dare you? Why did you? I can't believe you let me. You know, and we turn our negative attention towards God. 
And I think those are great theological questions like, you know, it's big, right? Why does God allow bad things to happen? That's a really important question, not one I'm going to deal with today, but it's a really important question. But don't you think at some point we should look at Satan who is filthy and evil and hates us and wants to destroy us and say, how dare you? There's this, this incredible story in, in, in the Bible about this guy named Job. And it's, it's a story that you should read. It's a little over 40 chapters. It's a pretty long book in the Bible and it's very, at, at points, hard to understand. Uh, but its beginning is really strange. And, and here's, and not the first verses, but verses 7 through 12 of chapter 1 in Job. It's so weird and listen to it. The Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, from roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There is no one like him on, or there's no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied. Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the works of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But now stretch out your hand and strike everything he has and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, very well then, everything he has is in your power. But on the man himself do not lay a finger. And so immediately, apparently at the hands of Satan... Job's houses are destroyed, his wealth is taken away, his children are killed. And Job gets on his knees and he he worships God. And so then in Job chapter two, verses two through six, we read this. And the Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, from roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There's no one like, there's no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil, and he still maintains his integrity, though you incited me against him to ruin him without any reason. Skin for skin, Satan replied. A man will give all he has for his own life, but now stretch out your hand and strike his flesh and bones, and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, very well then, he is in your hands, but you must spare his life. And then Job is inflicted with terrible sores all over his body, and he's scraping himself with clay pieces of pottery and his wife is telling him to curse God and die. Job continues to worship God. What's so fascinating for me this week anyway is that when I've read the weirdness of the beginning of the story of Job, when I've discussed it in you know, my Christian education, when I've talked about it with people more pastorally, the question always returns to, why did God allow that to happen? Why would God let Satan do that? But you know what I've never discussed, what I've never even thought about? Is what a jerkbag Satan is. Like blame the snake, right? I mean... I just think we give Satan this incredibly free pass. And, and, and as a Christian, it's weird because I, I actually believe in a literal being 
who, who is the antagonist. He's the one that's trying to destroy and hurt me. He is the source of much of the pain and the hurt and the struggle and, and the things that we deal with in this life. And yet, for a lot of people, when tragedy strikes, even people who would say they don't believe in God, when tragedy strikes, their attention immediately goes to God and they say, I can't believe that God or I can't believe in that God. But I think we would do well to sometimes, I know it did well for me this week, just blame the snake. I mean, at the beginning of the story, when all of the crap that is in this world entered into the world, it was, it was Satan who, who instigated it. Gen- Genesis 3, 1 through 7, now the servant was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from that tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not, certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. This is the moment that sin entered in the world, the rejection of what God wanted. And when we read this story, when I've read this story, I'm so quick to say, I can't believe that Eve did it and I can't believe that Adam followed suit and I can't believe they sinned and man, they messed up everything and now here I am dealing with the stuff that they entered into the world. But, but what I've always forgotten is that Satan started it. No, that sounds like a four-year-old, but Satan started it, right? I mean, I think I've discussed things like, why was Satan allowed into the garden? Again, my negative attention towards God. How did God let that happen? I think I've discussed like, did he look just like a snake? I think I've discussed why snakes got this, this thing where they're connected to Satan, but what I can't ever remember in my life doing is blaming the snake and saying, man, what, what an evil, evil being that would, that would desire to bring all destruction into the world, to make it so that humanity would, be, would die, would suffer pain, would suffer heartache, would struggle, would toil, would deal with everything that we deal with. And what God needed me to know this week and what I think he needs you to know is that it's okay to ask why God, why God, why, why? But at a certain point, your negativity, your blame should be aimed at Satan and not God. I know there's people who don't love and live for Jesus because they face something tragic and they forgot all about the snake. They just looked at God and said, I can't believe you, I I reject you. And I think it would be much better for us to look at Satan and say, I can't believe you, I reject you. I'm gonna give my life to God. Which leads me to this other thing that that God said to me. Oh, by the way, oh, by the way, just, uh, just in case you were curious, in 2 Corinthians eleven three. 3, uh, 
It blames the snake. I mean, Paul, the apostle who's writing the book of 2 Corinthians to a church, he's like, Satan did this to you. Don't be on his team anymore. And then, and then this other verse that, that is important that I forgot to read to you, John 10.10. 10. The thief, which may very well be a reference to Satan, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come, this is Jesus talking, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Satan is against you and Jesus came to earth so that you may have life and have it to the full. Jesus came to earth because he saw that sin had entered into the world. Satan tempted man and woman and they gave in and here we are thousands of years later at least still giving in to those same temptations, sinning against God and Jesus stepped out of the gloriousness of heaven, the perfection of heaven and came to this earth to live sinlessly and deal with all the things that we deal with and then die a a horrible, just horrific death on a cross for you. And it's funny, right? I mean, in, not in like a really funny way, but like weird that we would, would in our darkest moments look at the Jesus who came to save us and say, how dare you? And forget about the one who is still trying to, to tear at us, to destroy us and to kill us. Which leads me to this other thing. And that is this, that God reminded me this week that he is, he is for me, God is for us. In the middle of my week, uh, I just read this devotional that I've, that I've kind of been reading on and off in my own personal uh, Bible reading time. And uh, I don't even remember which one it is right now, but I've been reading this devotional and, and this whole devotional entry was about God being for us. And Romans 8, 31 says that talking about Christians Romans 8 31 what then shall we say in response to these things if God is for us who can be against us God is for his children he calls us his children which is incredible in and of itself but this is one of the great struggles of my spiritual life my personal spiritual life is And I wrote this down. I I know and believe the gospel story, the one that I just told you about Jesus coming to earth. I I love God. I try to live for God. I trust God. I've given my life to God. But sometimes I really struggle to feel slash believe that God is for me. It's a little hard for me to explain this. I, I tried as I was preparing on Friday to... As I was trying to put this sermon down into some words, I, I tried to articulate what I mean by that, and it's hard for me, but like, it's like I usually think of all the things God wants from me. I usually think of all the things God demands and, and commands of me. I, I really think about what God did for me on, a, on the grand scheme of things, that I'm forgiven for my sins, and then I you know, get to be in heaven and all that. But like on a day-to-day basis, sometimes it's hard for me to feel like God is for me. Um, I've mentioned this in sermons before and it's just coming to my head, so forgive me if I, if I uh, feel my way through this illustration, but 
one of the most impactful things I remember as a kid in, in church was that we had this comedian come and, and he acted out, my dad will remember this, he, he acted out like different ways that people view God. And so he had like, he had like Santa Claus or something to the effect of Santa Claus and we'd view him as this God that just kind of does whatever we want, right? We ask him for things and it shows up on Christmas and 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 he had like a dad figure at the end that was meant to be the way that we see him, you know, somebody who can be stern and loves us but is on our side no matter what, even in the hard times. Um, but he also had this, this cowboy. Um, he had like a gun up there. He probably wouldn't get away with that anymore and um, fake gun, uh, you know, and he had his cowboy hat on and, and, and like this impression that God is just running around looking to get us, you know, like... And sometimes I feel that. It's like, God, I know you love me. I know you care about me. I know you saved me. I'm gonna do my best to live for you, to glorify you, to honor you, to do everything for you. But a lot of times I feel the weight of God more than I feel the grace of God. It's funny because Jesus says, like, my burden is easy and my yoke is light. He might have said it in the opposite order of that, but he says something to that effect. And yet I feel, I feel different than I believe. And as I was on that same walk, a lot happened on that walk. It wasn't that long. <laughs> that devotional entry just struck me. God is for me. God is for me. And I just started repeating it. God is for me. God is for me. God is for me. God is for me. And in the midst of our hardest days, it can be really, really difficult to remember that God is for us. Satan's probably whispering in the other ear, right? Like, no, he's not. No, he's not. No, he's not. But God is for us, and God's proven that, right? And, and I said I believe all these things, but sometimes I forget the magnitude because Romans 8, 32, the following verse to what I just read says, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? It's like Paul's saying, hey, God's for you. By the way, he proved it. He literally gave his life for you. How, how could we ever doubt how could we ever doubt that God is for us? And, and so maybe, I don't know if I articulated it very well. I just did my best. But maybe there's some of you who don't feel like God is for you. You know it. You believe it. You love him. You try to live for him. But you just feel like he's against you. I guess point number two that I, that I, I knew but I was reminded of this week is that that God is for you, he's for us, he's for me. Which leads me to this half point. Um, I'm not sure how well I, I got this one down. The other two really sunk in, as you can tell, but this one I just know that it should sink in and I'm, I'm kind of here preaching it to you while I'm, I'm trying to figure it out. And this comes, this comes, and I told you, God was just working this sermon in me, but I, 
before the week took a turn for the worst, I was listening to a podcast that I've been listening to, and it was the final episode of this podcast, and it's this, uh, this podcast that I mentioned, I think a few weeks ago, that's been following this church planter around, and it's not a Christian podcast at all, but the guy doing it uh, is a Christian reporter, except he's a Christian uh, journalist that, that is, in the last year, uh, stopped going to church and really stopped thinking about God altogether. And, and in this final episode, he goes out on this retreat with, uh, with the pastor of this, of this church plant. And, um, and, and this pastor of this church plant has really been struggling because there's a lot of pressure. Uh, they've, they've, they need money, basically. I mean, they, they've taken out three years worth of money from sponsoring churches and organizations, and the three years is almost up, and... And they need to be self-sustaining by the end of the three years or I don't know what happens. They're done or something. He doesn't get a salary anymore. So there's, there's pressure on this guy. And they go out to do this retreat. And, and this guy who's the, the journalist, I mean, this is, this is scary to even think about. He's like, you know, hardly a praying person, right? And they're going to spend six hours in silence just interacting with God, journaling and things like that. I found prayer and, and Bible reading to be something that, uh, that's like running. You just kind of have to work up to it. And so this guy, it was like he was running a marathon without taking a jog first, you know. And, and they both do their thing and they, they meet up after six hours. And, and as the pastor comes out of his kind of retreat room, he's telling this journalist, like, I feel really, I feel really good. No matter what happens, I see the work at God here. I think things are, are great. And, and the journalist then cuts you know, to his voiceover and, and he says, I realized in those moments, uh, tells this personal story, it's unimportant for us today, but I realized in those moments as we talked that this pastor was doing the very thing that I'm scared to do. He was surrendering. And, and in life, it's hard to surrender to God. I don't even really know what it means. It's like, hey, God, no matter what, I'm, I'm trusting you. I'm going to keep doing your will. I'm going to keep serving you. I'm going to keep, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep thinking you're for me even when it doesn't feel like it. I mean, I'm, I'm surrendering. And it's scary to surrender to God. Whether that means giving your life to Jesus for the first time, becoming a Christian. Whether that means... You know, making these sometimes really hard decisions where, where the, the right thing doesn't feel like the right thing or the easy thing is really far from the right thing, you know. I mean, uh, it's hard to surrender to God. And I think as Christians, we, we minimize that a lot when we're, when we're telling other people to give their lives to Jesus. Think about that statement. Give your life to Jesus, well, Jesus is the one that said a bunch of stuff about how to live my life, right? Like, kind of like my life. That's a scary proposition. And for us who are Christians, in the dark moments, it's, it's a really scary idea. Like, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to do what you want and, and hope for the best, Jesus. Just trust that you're taking care of me. I, uh, this week, uh, Hazel was jumping off the bed to me. I think it's before the week took a turn. It was a really 
big week. A lot was going on this week, and, uh, and I think this is before the week was bad, uh, maybe. I'm not sure. It's all running together at this point, but Hazel was jumping off her bed to me. Um, I have different parenting strategies than many of you. Um, <laughs> If it's athletic at all, I'm like, do it, do it, do it. Um, and so Hazel's jumping off the bed to me and, and Hudson stands up. He's on the bed with her. And I'm like, Hudson, jump, one, two, three. And Hudson gets to the edge and he looks at me. And then he just kind of plops down. <laughs> I mean, we've only known each other a year now, you know. And he's thinking, I don't know, Dad. I've seen your softball team or whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> And then he did it again and it took a little courage and, he, and then he jumped. And now he's ready to go, it seems like, uh, jumping off of things to me. It's scary to jump into God's arms, especially when life seems really bad. But here's kind of the equation that, that came to me this week. If I'm supposed to blame the snake and God is for me, they don't have a great option other than surrendering to God. If I really look around the world and say, there's this evil being who has evil minions that just run around with him trying to destroy and hurt and tear down and steal and kill and destroy and all of these things, if that really exists in the world and God is for me, it just leaves me with one good option, Right? God, take care of me. Just take care of me. So I'm not going to win against Satan. Like, that's never going to go well for me. And since I believe he exists, and I think that God is for me, even if I don't always feel it, then I better just surrender. I mean, like if you were drowning and you saw your worst enemy, but he had a life raft, you'd be like, pull me in, you know? And even if you're mad at God for letting all these things happen in your life and you're like, God, how dare you? How dare you? How dare you? Like Satan's trying to pull you underneath the water and God's holding out a life raft. And even if you haven't figured out all the things that you think and feel about him, you better grab the life raft. Because there's no other good choice. That's kind of what's left with that this week. There's no other good choice. I surrender to God or I get killed by Satan. And the good news is God, God is for us. So, I mean, three things. Just, I mean, just. I know that, I know maybe, maybe nobody here, but, but probably somebody here, maybe somebody who will listen online later, like just give your life to God, become a Christian. I also had a conversation this week, totally unrelated, just randomly with somebody saying, how can people not be Christians when life is bad? Uh, just terrible. And, and I know that, that I know that there's so many people around me that, that aren't Christians because they blame God for something in their past. 
and they look at God and they say, if he did that, if he let that happen, then I will not serve him. But man, blame the snake. God is for you. Give your life to Jesus. And then, and then like this, like some of you live for God. Like I think sometimes we want to do sinful things because life is bad and it masks it or it, it makes it feel better. Funny enough, and I'm literally just pulling this up. My wife sent me something this morning, a text message. Many people, when they face heartache and difficulty, she didn't write this, by the way. I should give, I don't know where it came from, but it's her text message. So if you want to quote somebody, quote Bren. Many people, when they face heartache and difficulty, turn to things that they've always turned to. For some, it's eating or substance abuse like drugs or alcohol or shopping or overworking. For some, it's depression, just going into a room, closing the door, crawling into bed and checking out. You are not going to withdraw anymore. You are not the kind of person that needs to. When you face heartache, trial, and suffering, acknowledge it and pray. That's how we respond. That's how dependable, stable believers respond to challenges. So some of us need to stop doing things that are against God just because we feel bad. And then returning to Job... Just worship God even when it's bad. Just get on your knees and worship God. That's pretty much what Satan says. Like, yeah, I'm really angry. I mean, sorry, that's what Job says, not Satan. Satan doesn't say anything like this for the record. That's what Job says. His wife's like, curse God and die. And he's like, what am I gonna do? He's still God. Like, this is terrible and stupid and I think I've been treated unfairly, but I'm gonna worship him and then I'm gonna you know, look for a way to talk to him. It's kind of a nutshell story of Job. It's a little longer than that, but. And so even if it's bad, worship God. Just worship him. Satan is against you. God is for you. Surrender to God. Let me pray you'll do that. God, I thank you for helping me so much this week. Um, <laughs> thank you for giving me a sermon. Else, this would have been a really awkward 35 minutes. Um, but even more than that, God, I thank you for for being for me. And, and for even in the worst moments, finding creative ways to speak to me, God. People that had no idea how profound they were being devotional booklet that somebody probably wrote years ago, God, a podcast that wasn't trying to impact anybody, just telling a story. And in all of it, God, you, as you say, you never left me. You did not forsake me. You were there speaking to me. And I thank you for that. I pray, God, these people in front of me, those who will listen online, those who are listening online. And I ask God that in their worst days, God, when they're, when they're really questioning why you would allow things, I, I just pray that they would remember to blame the snake. And God, I pray that they would remember that you are for them. And I pray they'd find it deep, find the ability deep in their souls, God, to surrender to you. I pray that I would surrender to you.